All right, you guys, how you doing today? This is uh, the episode 13 of uh, Football Frame of Mind podcast. We are here. I'm your host, Cameron. That's Brandon. Uh, if you watch, you know we are breaking down uh, our preseason, uh, NFL preseason. And uh, we've been going through the AFC, man. Uh, we've done the South. We've done the West. So now we're, uh, we're going to do the East. And finish up with uh with the north, but uh the east is today. Uh, but before we get started, man, how you doing, bro? No, I'm ready to talk some uh in the AFC East, even though there's some things in this division that I just don't feel the best talking about. But we're gonna get through it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dog. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna probably be mad at me on this one. But uh, <laughs> but, but like I said, man, uh, it's all it's it's all part of the sports argument. You know what I'm saying? Having fun with it. Uh, but like I said, we start all our shows off with uh the standings, and uh, the champion of this division was no doubt the Bills. Man, um, they balled out last season. Uh, so my thing uh, coming into this season, my biggest storyline above all things is Josh Allen. What mm-hmm. is next for him moving forward as the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? I think he is going to be – he's a transcendent quarterback, man. He's probably the best quarterback they've had since Jim Kelly. And that's saying oh, something. Yeah. That's saying that, something. That's, that's, that's not even without a doubt. Yeah, that's that's saying something, because uh, they haven't had stability there. They had Drew Bledsoe for a little bit, and he had a nice mm-hmm. little run with them. But um, other than that, it's been hit after miss after miss after miss. So, uh, but he has staked a claim to being uh, a top five quarterback, man, uh, and in some cases, top three, depending on how you like him. Uh, I've seen people say that they would draft Josh Allen above Patrick Mahomes in a fantasy draft. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've I've heard people say that, man. And yeah, I, 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 I me as well. I, I wouldn't like I said, I wouldn't go above. I wouldn't go different than that. Now, me personally, if I had a pick, I, I don't draft. <laughs> I don't draft uh, quarterbacks that can't run. So uh, you know who's number one on my list, <laughs> uh, but. But other than that, nah, he would be a great, great first pick for anybody. But the his step to ascending into firmly into the top three conversation is beating Patrick Mahomes on the big stage, man. Like you have to, you're gonna have to beat him at some point, man, um, to get to where you want to go. Like uh, I don't know, uh, like it may be a year where Patrick Mahomes isn't there. That's fine, but to really stake the claim, you two are gonna have to go head to head like a Brady and a Manning. Like that's the that's the error that, that that we're in. They are the two, I think the two best quarterbacks in this uh in this conference. Uh I, I think Joe Burrow <laughs> is a close third. I do. Uh, because he's he's off the chain, man. Like I said, uh, they but those dudes is on another level in terms of just absolute, just star power, man. Like they just do things on the on the football field that just can't be uh, it just can't be talked about, man. I've seen Josh Allen 
literally win a game by himself. Like, <laughs> like, like he was going against my Ravens, man. And I'm, I know we had the game and I was thinking, all right, we're going to win. And then he just single-handedly leads them down the field, throwing the ball, then proceeds to run for like 50 yards on the next drive, which single-handedly brings them back into the game and ultimately changes momentum. But for him, he's my biggest storyline for them moving forward in this season. What steps is he going to take to do that? So. Yep. What you what you got on the bills, man? What you thinking about the bills this season? I, I'm high on Josh Allen, but he needs to do it against these other big names. He needs to be able to beat Mahomes, and he needs to beat Cincinnati because Cincinnati's got his number two. Uh, I think Josh Allen has great arm talent, really great running ability. I think he's in that top echelon. I think Mahomes is one. So between him and Burrow for number two, I think it's a lot closer than what most people think. Uh, but, man, I mean, look, he's got a loaded roster. He's got a good defense. He's got great weapons on offense. Now, this year is a prove year. How far are you going to take them? Because you've been supposedly picked to win the AFC the last three years, and you just cannot get through either of those two teams. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking to see if he can get over that hump and get that monkey off of his back, you know, because until he can get through Mahomes and Burrow, I just they, – they're one of the one of the more solid rosters in the entire league, let alone the AFC. But, yeah, uh, they're loaded from top to bottom. It's going to come down to him whether he wants it enough or not. Is he going to be able to beat one of those two guys? But I think definitely they've – they're one of the favorites to come out of the AFC. They just got to, you know – yeah, yeah, they got to definitely going to have to go through the, the big dogs, man. But like I said the AFC is so loaded, man. Like, it's loaded. It's with the complete opposite of what it used to be. The NFC was the loaded conference for the longest, and now it's been flip-flopped. Yeah, like, the AFC is, like, really good at the quarterback position, man. Like, mm-hmm. the level of quarterback play in that, in that conference is just – it's just out of this world, man. Like you, you only get so many playoff teams, but man, it seems like the majority of the teams in that conference have pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like I said, you you you're gonna be tough, man. But one interesting thing is, uh, I'm not sure if uh, the proposal went through or not. But the Buffalo Bills are building a new stadium, man. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, like I said, I don't know if the proposal went through, but from what I from what I've heard, it, it looks pretty good, and mm-hmm. it'll be bringing officially a new era of Bills football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think for the fan base, uh, that might actually be pretty good, something to look Bills forward Mafia. To. Yeah, yep, yep. So, love something to look look forward to for them moving forward, man. Um, so, like I said, new era. Obviously, Josh Allen is their quarterback of the future. They locked him up, and he's not going nowhere. So they're going to go as far as he goes with them and everything. But if I'm shifting focus to defense for the Bills, I want to know how much Von Miller has in the tank left, man. Uh, he's such a great player. I think he's a Hall of Famer today. If he if he had to get in today, I think he's a Hall of Famer over anybody. First ballot. 
Yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's in already. If his career ended today, he's a Hall of Famer, man. Talk about Super Bowl MVP. He's got two rings now. Um, he's got over 100 sacks already. So now it's just uh, how many more can he get, you know? But mm-hmm. can, he, uh, can he still do his thing this year? And that'll be a very big piece of them winning. If he can wreak some havoc on some quarterbacks in that division, and then uh, wreak some havoc on some other teams that they have to play this year. I think mm-hmm. uh, he'll be an interesting piece. You know what I'm saying? Because if he goes off, they're obviously going to double team him. Then it makes somebody else uh, free. So somebody else will have to step up, man. But they got some really good players, man, on the Bills. They have a complete team. So, but like I said, I expect them to be number. I expect them to be number one. I think they're the favorite to win the conference. And obviously we're going to get into some of these other teams, which is definitely going to play into that. But I think hands-on favorite, Buffalo's the hands-on favorite, but anything can happen in that division. If we just say it like that. I agree. And as we get into anything that can happen, uh, let's get into the Dolphins, man. Uh, First of all, what do you feel about the Dolphins? I, I want to get your, your perspective on this. So Miami, man, Miami's a very interesting scenario. So you've got an awesome offense. Man, they just keep adding to that defense. They got Jalen Ramsey. That secondary is pristine. They've got a lot of good guys on defense. Offensively, you bring back Tua. You've got a running back by committee. Then you still got Jalen Waddle. You still have Tyreek Hill. You lose Mike Gusecki, unfortunately, so you lose another big target. But, dude, Miami's offense is very explosive. Uh, I think what's going to come down to it, Miami this year is to his health. Uh, he's had a boatload of concussions, and, I mean, you know as well as I know that concussions are not anything to play around with, especially with a guy playing the quarterback position because, man, everything can collapse right on top of you. Uh, I think two is an awesome quarterback. I love that he's a left-handed quarterback. I love what he can do. I love his accuracy and how he throws in the pocket. But uh, it's going to all come down to that, man. Uh, they need to take very good care of him because Mike McDaniel really needs to watch out because, man, if he gets knocked out again this year with another concussion, we're going to probably be having a much different conversation. Uh, Miami's got a really good roster. I see them making a wild-card spot. I don't see them make winning the division. Just off the offensive loan, not even talking about the playmakers on defense, they're a playoff team in my eyes. Uh, if Tua doesn't have injury issues and he continues to build off of what he was building on, Miami's dangerous. Their secondary can lock damn near any of these other teams down if they really want to. Their secondary is awesome. If Tua's healthy, Miami could go on a deep playoff run if possible, for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, you got some of my points as well. Uh, obviously, Tua's health is important. Uh, obviously, I'm a Bama guy, so I love me some Tua. Uh, I do. Uh, but I want him to just go into this season, man, and just be healthy, man. Uh, just try to get it, try to get as healthy as possible, man, and try to uh, get away from those uh, hard hits, man. But it's football, so you're gonna get hit, man. But every hit he takes is gonna be under a microscope this year. Uh, oh, definitely. And um, like I said, uh, if he gets another one, we're talking uh, career ender. 
because last season was too is too much, man. That was scary to see him get that concussion again last year, man. Especially after getting one the week before, you know what I'm saying? And so, you've seen how he looked on the field after, dude. He was all shook up. His head was not there. Right. So, um, so yeah, and uh, like I said, that's why some of these organizations, man, they put winning above player health. This is one time you really need to look at a player's health, man, and understand that, hey, you get one more, you're not playing for the rest of this year. And then that drastically affects the uh, the team moving forward. But mm-hmm. like I said, two is healthy right now. And let's just pray he stays healthy for the rest of the year because they are in a great spot, man. They drafted uh, A-Chang from uh, Texas A&M, who's a burner. He's a bad man. Yeah, he's a burner. Uh, They got another. They obviously got Tyreek Hill. They obviously got Jalen Waddle. Uh, They got some other burners on their team. Uh, So I think with Tua's health, if that is good, their speed alone could win them this division. Because I don't think they have anybody in this division has a defense that can handle that speed. Like if Tua plays like he is, I don't think anybody can handle them their speed, man. Uh, and that's going to steal them some games. And like you said, it's going to steal them some games to the point where they get in the playoff, man. And if Tua's healthy going into that playoff, which is kind of something that they haven't had every time they've made the playoffs. Um, they've always went in with their backup guy. Cause you remember Tannehill got hurt when they made the playoff like five years ago and they mm-hmm. had a good team then, but he got hurt. So you can't really put him, you know, in there. Then last year, I think they made it and Tua didn't play. So, you know, they couldn't really go on to do that. So, uh, but like I said, man, uh, those are my biggest storylines for the Dolphins, man. Tua's health. And the speed uh wanna win them some games, man. Uh mm-hmm. did last year, that's for sure. Uh the game they played against the Ravens last year where they were down by like 20 points. And our defense just imploded, man. Watching Tyreek Hill just run past everybody. <laughs> I mean, just throw it up there. Jalen Wild. I mean, they killed us, man. So uh, but their speed is definitely scary. To any team in the AFC, man, I don't care mm-hmm. who it is. If you throwing the Chiefs, if you throwing the Bengals, you throwing the Ravens, anybody, there's yeah, everybody's at risk. Everybody's secondary is probably gonna get toast. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, man. Um, so I think those are really interesting storylines for the uh, for the Dolphins, man. But. Uh, great team, great defense as well. Uh, I think you're right about them locking, um, locking them down. I believe uh, they have a great uh, secondary. Uh, I love Xavier Howard, but the addition of Jalen Ramsey is like a that that's big. That's big time because I think he has something to to prove uh, mm-hmm. still. So he's got a couple years left, and I think he'll be really good. But uh, move on to the to your team. Uh, it finished third, man. Uh, I, I just want to hear what you think about your team, man, moving forward. What do you think about the Patriots? Well, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to try to condense it. Uh, man, it, it's been a crazy last what, three years. Yeah. We've had one year with Cam. We had two years with Mac, and now we're going into our third year with Mac. Uh, he's got a lot to prove this year. If he doesn't make major strides and he struggles like he did last year, 
they're probably looking to move on, make a trade for a guy, try to move up in the draft and get somebody else because Bill Belichick's not going to sit in complacency like this for much longer, I promise you. They did time some good guys in free agency. They did get Juju. They got Mike Gusecki. They got O'Reilly Reef for the offensive line, and they brought James Robinson in because they lost Damian Harris, so they got some more good running back depth. Uh, you still got a lot of weapons. The defense, Patriots defense is always good. I mean, Matt Judon and them guys on defense are really good. It's going to come down to offense. Yeah, I stole him from us. And I was so happy. And I'm still very happy about that because he is haters, awesome. man. I going to steal our sack leader, bro. <laughs> hey, he's a sack leader for us, too? No, I'm very I happy. I love Matt. I love Matt Judon. I, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> so, uh, man, uh, I think last year, really, I don't know what Bill was thinking. We had Matt Patricia and... Joe Judge trying to run the offense is a horrible idea. Oh uh, defense is still going to be really good. You say Matt? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't know, and I think, and I think that was why the trouble came because Max trying to explain to him like, "Look, dude, this isn't working. You need to help put me in position so we can try to win the game." And they just—he was just getting—you could see the frustration on his face, like yelling, just like, "Come on, man! Like we're losing games and we should be competitive." Uh, now we don't have to deal with that. We bring Bill O'Brien back. I know you're not high on Bill O'Brien because of obvious reasons with Alabama, but you oh, gotta understand. Oh no. oh no! He's not the greatest. He's not the greatest head coach either. We're not gonna get into all that. But as an offensive coordinator, the guy can coach an offense in the NFL, and I think he's gonna really try to play to max strengths. So this year's gonna be a real prove year. New England's defense is gonna be good. It's gonna come down to okay, Mac. We got you weapons. We got more weapons for you. You still got Hunter Henry. You still got these other guys. You actually have an offensive coordinator that knows what he's doing. Now, if you struggle like you did last year, they're going to cut ties. They got Bailey Zappi. He had played some from Western Kentucky last year, and he looked okay. But, yeah, I, I think this is a uh, last year for him to prove it. If he can't – I'm not saying playoffs a go, but if there's no promise for them to make the postseason and he struggles, yeah, they're going to be looking somewhere else. I think the Patriots could sneak in. But they're going to need some other dominoes to fall with Miami and the Jets we're about to get into. If they could get things to fall their way, yes, but more than likely they're not going to make the postseason, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Realist, realist uh, take there. I like it. I like it. Not not too overly fandom like, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. No, I'm, not, I'm not a Cowboys fan. It's okay. All right. I'm glad you're not. <laughs> I'm glad you're not. I'm glad you're not. All right. So, all right. So my take uh, on the, the Patriots, man, is exactly what you said. Um, but I'm going to look at different factors. Okay. So, all right. So my storyline is uh, Zap or Mac, man. So my thing is, if we're going to, I love me some Mac Jones, man. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever come through Bama. So I got a soft spot for him. But I want to see him uh, do what he did year one, man. Year two was kind of like uh, ill, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, like uh, it wasn't good, man. And year one, I'm thinking, all right, cool. Second coming of Brady, man, we got to the playoffs. You're off to a, a better start than Brady was. So I was like, okay, cool, right? As far as playoffs, like, you know, mm -hmm. you're doing your thing. Yeah. Right? So I'm thinking, all right. But then – he struggles, and then the fans boo him, and then they want Zap in there. 
And I'm like, that's not good. You can't have the the fans. Yeah, you can't have the fans turning on you that quick. Turn cheering for the backup guy? No, that's not good, man. That's a that's cause for concern, man. Because one thing, if the fans don't want Mac in there, then that's gonna make you know Kraft have a, a, a executive decision like, yo. We're gonna have to start the the other guy, man, because the fans are not behind this guy. Now, look, I think the Patriots fans, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but when you win, they don't really care. You know what I'm saying? As long as you win, right? But if you're losing and they spent a lot of you know money on you and and, and uh like let's say other guys that have come to the Patriots to try to win but don't pan out because they can't fit into the culture, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The fans will turn on you, right? So I think, you know, they've come in, uh, they come used to, uh, you know, the backup guy, you know, coming in there and showing out. Like, they've always had a plethora of talent. You know, maybe mm-hmm. not go on like Dion Branch who left and went somewhere else and didn't have that much success. But they've always had a plethora of talent that just kind of plays together real good, good mesh. Mm -hmm. But it just seemed like last year on offense, it was just ugly. You know what I'm saying? And when you say that, when you say that Matt Patricia was calling offense, I know why it was ugly. Because his time in Detroit was ugly. Like, it was nasty. He was defensive coordinator, isn't he? No business to be calling offensive plays. You don't know that's, what the hell you're doing. That's what I thought. I thought he was a defensive coordinator. That's what yeah, he is. I don't know what Bill was thinking, but they, him and Joe Judge were splitting. They were like co-offensive coordinators. It was terrible. I didn't even watch a lot of Patriots games last year because of how ugly the offense worked. And you had weapons, but they just could not get nothing going. But, but, all right, so now we're moving into this season. And you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, my old offensive coordinator at Bama. Uh, Bill O'Brien is back home in New England and going to have some uh, – some. I think he stabilizes their team on mm-hmm. offense, and I believe that helps you guys win some games, man. A lot more games than, than y'all think y'all going to win. I think because Mac Jones will have the ability to just kind of make decisions like a pro quarterback without having mm-hmm. to call his own plays, which is not something a young quarterback should be doing anyway until he gets comfortable with uh, with the offense or whatever. But I think he stabilizes it, and I think you guys win and compete. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I don't think – I don't think you guys will beat the Bills in the division, but I do think if everything goes right, y'all could finish second or third. I don't think you finish last. Yeah, it's more than possible. Yeah, I don't think you guys finish last. You know what I'm saying? I think the only team that's really that has the person, the team that would be that I would pick to finish last if I had to at this point would probably be the Dolphins because I just don't know how healthy two is going to be. And I don't mm-hmm. know how I don't know their backup quarterback who it, who it is. It might I don't know if it's Jacoby Brissett, but even, mm-hmm. he's somewhere else now. Yeah. So so like if that if he was there, then maybe. But I just don't know. I think that's the I think that's the the key to them to them being there is him his health, and I think that's the team that'll finish last. But their backups, Mike White. Remember Mike White. The guy that everybody wanted the Jets to like to be the starter when they pulled Zach Wilson. Remember Mike White? 
Nah, I don't know no Mike White, man. Man, Mike White is that dude, bro. I love some Mike White. He, uh, I don't know if he was a, uh, like a preseason guy. He walked oh, on. Oh, okay, he, okay. Yeah, okay, you, know, you know who Mike about. White is. I know you're talking about. I know you're talking yeah. about. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When, uh, when Zach Wilson was struggling and Mike White was like. Mike White was cutting up, bro. Okay, okay. All right. So as we move forward to the Jets. Uh, they obviously finished last. This is Robert Sala's uh, second year, right? Second year? No, this is third, third second, year. Third thing. Okay. Third. So this is a big step for him, man. For a team that um isn't too uh good on consistency when it comes to coaches, uh, they will fire a coach real quick after not winning. So he needs to uh, figure it out, right? But. He's in a place that he never was, and he actually has a quarterback now. So Aaron Rodgers coming to New York changes everything in this division. I think uh, career-wise, he is uh, a all-time great. But in terms of this division this year, he's the second-best quarterback because he's lost a step, and some of these stories coming out of Green Bay that uh, – He's a prima donna. He's doing all these things. Kind of makes me bring him down a notch, you know, in terms of uh, the pecking order and this thing. Because you don't mm-hmm. hear too much stuff about that with the Bills and Josh Allen. Like, he's a, mm-hmm. good things about him. So my thing is all of this drama with the Packers. He wants to leave. He's not teaching – uh, Jordan Love, how to play the position and all of that, like all of this infighting that they have with the Packers, man. So is that erased with him leaving? Or is he still that same guy that was just there? Man. So <laughs> th- those, th- those, are, those are big questions that I need to ask the mm. Jets and how they're going to do. And that was my my storyline. I wrote on here. And I said, "Aaron Rodgers changes what for the Jets? What what does he change? You got a big name guy, right? And the last time they went after uh, ex Packers quarterback with Brett Favre, a one year rental, it was hot, and then it was not. They lost. So <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. They won eight. They yeah. won eight and two early in the season, and the second yeah, they ended up going eight and eight. Yeah, all of them, right? So my thing is, what does he what does he change? Because on paper, this team can beat the Buffalo Bills. On, on paper. paper. Because you got Aaron Rodgers, who's an all-time great. But what's left? He's in, uh, I don't know what year he's in, but he's been playing a long time. So what's probably left? Probably like it's the 18th year, probably. Right. So what what's left uh, for him in the gas tank, right? Uh or are you going to be a leader instead of just, you know, this money-hungry diva as the Green Bay media has been uh, been painting you as? Because you have way more weapons than I think you had in, in Green Bay at the end. Um, Dude, way more. You have a we can I can get into that. He's got weapons for days, bro. Right. So my thing is uh, you already know if you're Robert Sala what – Aaron Rodgers is going to give you, right? So my thing is, let's sure up this defense. We we know we have two cornerstones in Sauce Gardner and uh, Quentin Williams. 
So let's just let's just ride them guys. Let's ride them guys and give Aaron Rodgers a chance to just win us some ball games. You know, just let him uh, lead us to the thing. And if he is ready to be a leader, um, then they'll win. I think they can easily win this division with him alone because he changes everything. Because I remember the Jets like uh, last year or the year before or whatever it was. They were in a lot of games, but Zach Wilson was just ass. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry to, to say this because this might be kids watching this, but look, it, I'm sorry. It is. He was. And he cost them a lot of games. So if you take that that uh, in-depth performances and put Aaron Rodgers in there, you could end up with the same thing that uh, Tom Brady did for uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, you take, you give, uh, you give an older guy some weapons that he really never had in a sense, uh, some great young talent and you can never know what you can do with it. So like I said, I'm not picking them mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but I definitely expect them to be in the playoffs, uh, if everything goes right. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely, um, Definitely an interesting division, man. But I think this is one of those divisions like, um, gosh, what's the other division that we talked about that I said was going to be tough? Uh, One of those is going to be tough, but it's going to be just like that. None of these teams, NFC East, right? All those teams are going to be above 500 or 500. Mm -hmm. And not make one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs, so they're going to be picking. I say the same thing about the AFC North. I'll say the same thing about them. Yeah, so I think this division right here isn't going to have a double-digit win a uh, losing team uh, mm-hmm. because it's too much talent, man, on every team, and then every team has a has a um, a good quarterback. So I like I said, but I think if I had to pick the standings after you know breaking everything down. I think the Bills are number one. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets are number two because I'm just not sold on um, uh, Tua's health. It scares me a lot, man. Like when you start messing with head injuries, I just I don't like it at all. So I don't know how cautious he's going to be this year or not. Or he might just throw caution to the wind and just play. But right now, I'm gonna put the Bills number one, the Jets number two, Dolphins three, and the Patriots four. Man, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's okay, uh, man. Like, and I'm gonna but, touch on the but, Jets. Before I let you go, hold on. Before I let you go, hold on. But I do think that if if, um, if Bill O'Brien can stabilize that offense, man, that changes everything. On my list, I think he can. I mean, he's been there before. He knows how it is to work with Bill. He's got proven success. It's just, can you get Mac to play up to that same standard he did two years ago? If you can't even maybe excel that, if he does that, that changes everything. But I mean, I think I think this is a perfect marriage if you ask me, because last year at Bama, I don't think Bryce Young was the quarterback that he really knew how to work with. Not the same. It's not the same style. It's not like a New England style quarterback, like not a Brady or anything. Bryce is a kind of a hybrid, if you would think of it like that. He can make those throws, 
but he's more of an improviser. He can roll out, use his legs, and extend plays. It's a little bit different. So I would agree right. with you on that. Right. And what made Mac Jones work at at uh what made him work at Bama was the fact that he took what was there. Didn't really try to extend anything. And when he did, it was so ugly. You never wanted to see it again. <laughs> but he takes what was mm-hmm. there. And I think that's a hallmark of uh, Bill O'Brien offense, man. Just taking what's there, the check down's there, and we're going to run the ball a little bit. So I think it works. He's the perfect quarterback for him. But if, uh, but like I said, if, if he can do that, that changes things in this division, man. Because I'll put the Patriots second if Mac can definitely get it together. Because I think just they they have defense. That's not the problem. Like you mentioned, Matthew Judon is awesome. So I don't think I don't think they're gonna struggle on defense because that's what that's what Coach Belichick does. Like that's his calling card, man. His defense is never asked at all. Like I don't think so. I think he's always had a top fifteen defense at 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 worst. Like it's never mm-hmm. been bottom fifty. So except when you got Matt Patricia calling your defense in the most important games, then your defense is gonna freaking play like ass. And Just like we did against Matt the Patricia, Eagles in the man. Super Bowl. You know what? That's what we can get into. Uh, we can get into that in our closing segment, man. Patriots coaches, oh. Patriots assistant coaches yeah. that that. that didn't do uh, much at all, man. <laughs> but uh, but oh. yeah. Uh, we'll break. We we broken down the NFC East, man. Uh, AFC East. Uh, I think uh, it's a great great division, man. I think it's gonna be competitive. Yeah. Uh, those uh, be fun to watch. Uh, but you know what time it is? It's time for our top five segment, man. Uh, this is this is an awesome uh, awesome segment, man. And uh, we love to do it, and it brings out some great great conversations, man. So. Uh, today's top five segment is the top five NFL franchises, man. And there's really no criteria for this list. Just how you feel about these franchises and the five best, you know what I'm saying? Or it can be anything. doesn't matter. Like I said, we would love engagement in our videos, man, to see who we missed and what you would put. So, like I said, I'll start, man. Um, like I said, I... I it was tough, man. Some good, uh, it's some really, really tough decisions I had to make because I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan, but I can't put them as an NFL top franchise um, because technically, uh, we just started. I think there's a lot of history we can still build, but if I'm, if I'm honorable mention, if there was a six team, I would say the Ravens because. Uh, we brought back defense in the early 2000s, uh, and actually. Defense has been our calling card for the for the majority of our franchise history. Um, and I think statistically, I think we have the best defense of the last 20 years. Like if you add all the defenses together, I think we have the top defense of the last 20 years. So, um, but like I said, there's more history to do. And I think we're not done yet. But uh, 5B, I had to put five because it's two. It's two teams that I really just couldn't separate because um, they their level of importance is a key. Five uh, B is the Cowboys, man. Uh, we talk about a franchise that has transcended American sports, not just uh, football, but American sports, man. It gave 
Like they're quote unquote America's team. Uh, but the Cowboys have uh, been a fixture of uh, football families for years. Uh, uh, we start with uh, their early championships uh, with Tom Landry. Uh, that was exciting because he was innovative in his offenses uh, with motions and everything like that. And he's also innovative on defense with uh, instrumenting like the 3-4, I believe it was, or something like that. One of those defenses he was really innovative with and he used to success. But other than those things, the impact that Jerry Jones has had on the Cowboys can't be underestimated because he turned that $800 million investment into about $6 billion now, maybe even more. And the Cowboys are a national brand because of what he is and what he's done with that team. And it, obviously they haven't won a championship in a very long time, but that brand is still there. That's the reason why they can say every year is their year because, hey, Jerry Jones is going to do his best to try and make that happen, man. And whether it be winning championships or winning the fiscal year, uh, he's definitely done both of them. So definitely the Cowboys is my 5B. Uh, my 5A is the Raiders, man. I know you might think like uh, they've fallen on hard times, but when you think about um, the AFC, man, uh, before they merged, the Raiders were one of those teams uh, that really was a part of the merger. Uh, they were important in it, and Al Davis was an important owner of that team. And it's not really the wins and losses that I'm really looking at as far as mm-hmm. the impact of the Raiders. It's the 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 battle against the establishment is what I like about the Raiders. One thing about the Raiders you could never say is they were just like any other franchise. No, they were never like any other franchise. When they wanted to merge, Al Davis was the first one to say, nah, we can do our own thing. Al Davis had so much stick in that room when it came to merging that they had to go behind his back and merge because they knew he was going to be pissed off if he found out that they was merging behind his back. So, and then he was against the establishment when they tried to tell him he couldn't move to LA. He's like, it's my team. I can do what I want. Like he showed that, Hey, I'm an owner and I got power. I can do what I want to do. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, they moved back to Oakland, and, you know, he was trying his hardest to build a stadium, man. And uh, his son has, you know, he decided to say, okay, we've been trying to get a new stadium in Oakland for about 20 years now, and we still ain't got one. So I'm taking my team, and I'm leaving. I'm going to get this Darth Vader-type stadium, and we're going to do our thing. We're going to do it in Las Vegas. And guess what? It's a great move, man. They have a beautiful stadium. But I love the fact that they have went against the establishment and always did it their way, and it's got them some championships, man. They've always gotten the players that were least loved by everybody else. Ted Hendricks, for example, Lyle Alzada, he was a tough cookie. Uh, uh, Don't even start with the offensive line. I mean, gosh, you got people like Art Shell. Gene Upshaw, like people that were nasty up front, man. Uh, Lester Hayes, 
you know, I don't know where he played college. I think he played in the sandlot and they just picked him up from somewhere. So, so uh, you got like an against the establishment type of mindset. And that's why I put them five, eight. Uh, number four for me is the 49ers, man. Uh, this is a franchise, man, that dominated um, the the sports landscape, man. Their run in the uh, 70s, 80s, man, hell, 90s, is quite frankly one of the best runs in sports, man. Um, obviously, five championships, uh, but five championships over three decades. I think that deserves some love. And uh, I love Eddie DeBartolo, their owner at the time. Uh, he was all about loving his guys and loving his players, man. And uh, San Francisco was a good place to be, man, uh, in those, that era. They was always winning. He was always in the championship picture. And different ball bouncing a different way. They could easily have about eight, nine championships because those teams were that good. Uh, but in terms of that, I think they're they're definitely number four on my list, man. Um, because like I said, they had a great run and transcended sports, being one of the best sports franchises, not just football. So I think they transcended definitely their run was good. Uh number three is the Packers, man. The NFL's first real dynasty. So uh we talking football. Um uh, Nobody dominated like the Packers in the 60s, man. Uh, mm. They host the championships. Uh, Vince Lombardi ushered in a new era. Uh, he battled racism, uh, even coming from, you know, being an Italian-American. Uh, he battled racism. Nobody wanted him to get that job. Um, but he did, and he built them up from scratch. Uh, a host of Hall of Famers. I mean, Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke, Jim Taylor, Horning, Forrest Gregg. Whatever, all those guys, whoever you want to do that. And he was just a good person, man. And uh, he built that team up. And that is important if you're talking about NFL franchises, man, because I think their run established what the NFL was going to be. Uh, it was going to be uh, a physical game and it was going to be exciting, man. And it had some great games, dog. Uh, important games in the history of, of, of football, especially winning the first two Super Bowls. Because the NFC, well, NFL, the old NFL at the time, had to really stake claim to say, hey, this is our thing. We brought y'all in. So I think it was very important for them to win those first two Super Bowls because it not only signified a three-peat, for the Packers, which hadn't happened yet, but it also meant that um, the AFL wasn't going to get those first two Super Bowls. So I think there's like, nah, we ain't letting this happen. And I think a lot of the old heads was like, nah, the AFL can't come in here and win no championships, bro. I think they would love to have went three and zero, but uh, Joe Namath had something to say about that. Mm. <laughs> but definitely, uh, definitely, I think it's number three. Uh, number two is the the Patriots, man. Um, their run of success in the NFL is actually unprecedented, man. It's only one team um, that has either more championships or the same amount of championships. But I think over the course of them winning, they just won a certain way, man. 
and um, and it's been good for football. Obviously, money wise, it's successful. Uh, I loved uh, I love the owner Robert Kraft. I don't care what he's done off the off the football landscape, but in terms of being an NFL owner, uh, he's been awesome, awesome man. Uh, he's just been a winning culture. Uh, he I love how he took over the team. Honestly, I read into it a little bit. Uh, he actually did a hostile takeover. He was like, "Nah, this is our stuff now. We taking over," and it worked. It worked, man. Uh, you have what seven Super Bowls, and uh, and actually, huh? We got six. Y'all don't have seven. No, Pittsburgh's the only team to have seven. Oh, okay, okay. We've okay. got six. We won. We had a three P. Uh, we had early two thousands. You had three, and then in the twenty tens, we won three. Okay, okay. I thought y'all had one on. Yeah, that's, that's why Brady. That's why Brady has seven rings because he won once. He won ah, six. Okay. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Okay. So, but anyway, like I said, six Super Bowls within the time he's taken over has very, very big weight in the NFL. So uh, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think a team has had that much success in a short span. And uh, like I said, they definitely did a Raiders-esque type of thing where they win with the undesirable players, man. And uh, like I said, they don't really – people understand the Patriot way, but I think the Patriot way is foundation is uh, selflessness, man. Like you can't Do your play. job. Yeah, do your job. You can't play – you can't worry about everybody else. You gotta do your thing, and uh, they win a lot of games, man, with some players that maybe you not maybe didn't know, but it was some good players, man, that they got on their team, man. So um, yeah, most definitely, uh, Patriots number two, and uh, number one. I hate to say it, man, but the Steelers, dog. Uh, the Steelers is my number one NFL franchise, man. Uh, obviously, they had some characters, uh, not up to the Raiders. But at the time, though, the Raiders-Steelers was a good rivalry, man, because I think the Steelers were the establishment, if I want to say, because they did things a certain way. They played a certain way. They played defense hard and everything. The Raiders were against the establishment. They were completely different than what the NFL wanted to do. So, um, but those that was a good rivalry back in the day. But the Steelers had characters, man. Mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, uh, Jack Lambert with no teeth. I think that's the one with no teeth. Uh, but mm. they had some characters too, man. Mel Blunt, like that a really that's a really important franchise in terms of sports because the city of Pittsburgh was on fire at the time. Uh obviously the Steelers won uh I want to say four Super Bowls, something like that. Uh, four or five in that era, and then uh, Terry Bradshaw's got, got yeah. five rings, I think. Yeah, see what I'm saying? So, Terry Bradshaw got a lot, right? So, like, that was a good era, and like I said, the Pittsburgh Pirates won a, a World Series at the time, so that city was just on fire at, at during that time. So, I definitely appreciate everything they do, and then, um, a cultural impact to me is uh, how they realize that i'm not gonna say black cultures i'm gonna be say minorities they they put a focus on the fact that there weren't many minority cultures man and i love the fact that uh their owner art rooney was kind of the the forefront for that 
because uh, he made it he made it known like, yo, we need some more. We need different races in coaches. It's not the only race that can coach. And he kind of put a microscope on that uh, to really focus on that thing. And I love the fact that uh, their consistency is another reason why um, I put them number one. Obviously, they won. Obviously, their cultural impact is important. But they've only had three coaches in the history of their whole entire franchise. Just three. Chuck No, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. Just three. Yep. It's, it's, it's teams on their 40th, 50th coach. And they've only had three. And I love the fact that they just, they ride with it. They ride with it. They gonna, they ride with it and they do it. Now, I hate the Steelers, but, man, they got a great franchise, man. I swear. I think that's why I don't like them. But, yeah, number one on my list, most definitely. Cowboys, cool. Raiders, 49ers, Packers. Patriots, Steelers, five best franchises, even though that's six. <laughs> All right. So I've got Cowboys at five. Okay. I just think from a cultural standpoint, Dallas has always been a big name. Like you said, you go back to when Tom Landry was there, when they had Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett, all those guys. That's when they established themselves as America's team. Before probably a lot of our viewers were even around, even ourselves were even around. Dallas was – putting their name out there. You fast forward a couple of decades, you get into the 90s, and Jerry Jones owns the team. He brings in Jimmy Johnson. They draft Troy Aikman. They get Emmitt Smith. They get Michael Irvin. Probably one of the best offensive lines ever. Dallas had in that era. Great defenses as well, but, man, uh, what he was able to do with that team in that time span of just being dominant in the NFC, just – it's, it's unreal. Dallas just had so many athletes from way back then to even now. I mean, Dallas still has great relevance. Uh, obviously, like you said, they haven't won a Super Bowl in over 20 years. Uh, I think any franchise that can have a delusional fan base like Dallas, uh, they deserve to be top five. You know, when you think your team's going to win the Super Bowl every year when you know damn well they're not going to, yeah, you deserve to be top five because that's a hell of a damn magic trick in my book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Dallas is five. I've got the 49ers at four. Just okay. the way uh, them do when they got into the 70s and 80s and they had that West, they brought out that West Coast offense with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and all of these. We could talk for days about all the athletes, but then they took the league by storm. Nobody knew how to defend the West Coast offense. They were just so dominant. Even when they weren't winning the Super Bowl, they were just – if you were going to make it past them, you were going to have to work for it. You got to think from like the beginning of the 80s up until the mid-90s, the 49ers ran the NFC pretty much besides Dallas uh, and had probably the smoothest quarterback turnover ever from leaving from Montana and then going with Steve Young and never skipping a beat. And like we said, that that Steve Young offense was just as good as some of those Joe Montana ones. And even to this day, I mean, 49ers have had struggles since, uh, had struggles in the 2000s. And then they got Mike Singletary. They ran him out of town. And Jim Harbaugh came back and kind of brought that brand back, brought them to a Super Bowl, that uh, a really weird Super Bowl. Although they lost, still brought them back to relevancy. And ever since Kyle Shanahan's come back, they've always been in the playoff picture. I think the 49ers are a really cool franchise. Not many things I could say I would admire about California, but the 49ers are definitely one of them. I've got them at four. 
Okay. Uh, three, I've got Green Bay. You can't think of NFL without Green Bay. Green Bay started it all. Bart Starr, Jim Taylor, Vince Lombardi. If you don't have those guys, you don't have an NFL. Uh, they completely changed the game altogether just from the start, like you said, winning winning the first ever Super Bowl. Uh, Green Bay has had their really good stretches, man. They had that dynasty way back then. Then kind of had a period in between, not of mediocrity, but kind of just floating around, still have a really good name. You get Mike Holmgren in the 90s, and you get Brett Favre and all those guys, and they win another Super Bowl in the 90s with, uh, I think it was Reggie White. Yeah, Reggie White came to Green Bay at one point. They had a really good team. You got to think Favre stayed there. 10, 15 years, they were relevant every year. Damn, they're almost in the NFC title game every year. You draft another generational. We talked about this the other day. You you leave Brett Favre, you let him go. You got Aaron Rodgers. You're relevant for another 10, 15 years or so. So, I mean, Green Bay is relevant with NFL just the way spaghetti is with sauce. I mean, you can't talk NFL without talking Green Bay, and I've got them at three. If they had more, a few more titles, obviously their traditions and their history – holds enough weight, but if they had more titles, they would be higher on my list. Uh, two, I've got New England. I mean, the fact that you got to think up until before Robert Kraft had owned the team, I think they made it to one or two, and they lost. They lost one to Green Bay in the 90s when they had Drew Bledsoe. Uh, later on, Kraft ends up getting the team. They moved the team to uh, Foxborough, and then they hired Bill Belichick in his history. I mean, within a 20-year gap, I mean, you're pretty much the favorite to come out of the AFC besides the Colts. I mean, you turned a guy that was a seventh-round pick and wasn't projected to be anything into questionably being the best quarterback of all time. Uh, always having great defenses. Had some amazing games that I've had the pleasure of watching. Man, like it, the brand, the name. I think when you think Patriots, though, you just think winning. People just hate teams that win all the time. The Patriots just love making people mad because they just win, they win, they win. And obviously, we're going through a rough patch right now, but I think as long as you have Belichick as a coach and you have Kraft as the owner, that team's always going to be relevant. That team's always going to get good players, and I think that team's always going to have a shot to make a run with those guys. So I've got them at two. And uh, obviously, Pittsburgh has won. Seven titles does not lie. Uh, New England's got six, but Pittsburgh has seven. Terry Bradshaw being the quarterback in the 70s with those great defenses – not to mention Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and guys like that. I mean, guy had five championships. Damn, they're on the same level as Tom Brady with five titles. Uh, have kind of a gap between the 80s and 90s. They were still really good. And then uh, really Bill good, Cowher yeah. was a perennial. Bill Cowher had them after Chuck Noll, a perennial playoff team. Uh, he won a Super Bowl in 2005 before he hung it up and handed it over to Mike Tomlin. And I don't think anybody expected Mike Tomlin to do as good as he did. But that team reached even greater heights with him and Big Ben and Hines Ward and Troy Palomalu and James Harrison. So many Hall of Fame players that, I mean, dude, Pittsburgh is just the pinnacle. If you want to – I said Pitt, I said New England's winning, but Pittsburgh has always been relevant. Even when they weren't the greatest, they were always relevant. You got to think, like, besides a couple crash courses with quarterbacks, they haven't gone through a whole bunch of different quarterbacks in the last 30, 40 years. They really haven't. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just from a historical perspective, Pittsburgh's got t loads of history. Great, some of the greatest games were played with them in it. Great head coaches, only three in 50, 60 years. That's unheard of. Nobody else is probably even come close to three head coaches. These, I want to say, but uh, yeah, seven titles, three head coaches, and a hell of a lot of wins. And I've got the Steelers at one.
Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a great list, dude. Great list, man. Uh, I love what you said about uh, the Packers, man, and uh, starting a dynasty like that. I, I like that a lot. Uh, I like the Cowboys uh, at five. I definitely like that a lot uh, because, like I said, man, it's a franchise that's brought the NFL so much money and uh, brings families together because they're like the only, they're the first team to start wanting to play on uh, Thanksgiving. So, uh, like I said, they, they've been bringing families together for a long time. Uh, I like that. But like I said, the Steelers are, are, are far and foremost the best NFL franchise ever. Uh, I think that was the not the. I think that's the biggest NFL dynasty, though, like in mm -hmm. terms of popularity and uh, what it meant for the NFL for money and everything. I think that's the biggest, um, the biggest, uh, uh, goddamn, the biggest dynasty in uh, NFL because, like I said, that was huge. Uh, like I said, I love the Patriots. Uh, I said the Patriots just uh, gosh, they they've been awesome. Awesome for the NFL, man. I I, I like I said I don't like them probably because they win all the time. But uh but I definitely, definitely agree that winning is the most important thing. So great list, man. Great list, man. So um like I said, man, it's our closing argument segment, man. So when we talk about like uh Bill Belichick's um assistance uh gosh <laughs> uh what what goes wrong man like or are they considered too much too smart for their own good to listen to everybody else or what's the issue man because a lot of his assistants don't really pan out i just think because new england is just a different you can listen to a lot of players not everybody can catch on to one, the environment. Two, if say you're a player, not everybody can catch on to that offense. Man, you got a lot of guys who will come in, like let's just say Cam Newton. And obviously he had to figure it out on the fly. But he had trouble trying to figure out that offense. But then you look at another guy like Antonio Brown, who's got a great football IQ, picked it up like that without even having to think about it. I think New England is the one minority. They're just different than everybody else. They operate different than everybody else. The players act different than everybody else. It's a strictly football environment. There's none of this crazy stuff. Why do you think you never see these antics of everybody? These different franchises have these issues with certain players. You don't ever hear about New England having issues like that because one, Bill doesn't tolerate it. Bill's not going to bring people in like that, and it just doesn't fit the mold of what they do. That's why we don't overpay guys. I remember when uh, Jamie Collins was really good for us and we won a Super Bowl with him, and he wanted to get a big extension. And Bill's like, no, I'll let you walk and go sign a big contract with Cleveland or if it was Detroit or whatever. And he ended up finding his way back because he just couldn't fit in these other schemes like that. And the coaches, I mean, I think it's the same thing with the coaches. Like, And that's not saying the coaches are one-dimensional, but it's like, some people can only succeed when they're under like that, that just that strict diet of whatever they have going on. Some of these other coaches and, I, and kudos for them to be able to do that, because I feel like a lot of these other assistant coaches or guys that are head coaches now couldn't survive in an environment in an organization like that. I just think that they are no BS. 
they are straight to the point. And if you can't fit the mold and you're not going to contribute, then you can get the hell out because we want to win. And if you're not going to contribute and buy in, then we don't need you. Okay. I don't know why they struggle so much. I mean, like Matt Patricia struggled horribly. He's the main reason we don't have seven rings because we should have beat Philadelphia. And his defense completely crapped the bed and just just let that offense do whatever the hell they want, running crazy trick plays, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, there's, a, there's a list of guys like that. I mean, Bill O'Brien left and thought he was going to be the GM and the head coach for Houston, and he made some of the most boneheaded and crazy moves that you, you traded DeAndre Hopkins. That's one of the reasons Deshaun Boy, Watson wanted nothing. to get the hell out of it. It's the same, yeah, pretty much. For and I mean, nothing. you look at Joe Judge. Joe Judge leaves New England. He goes to New York. Gets gets pushed out the door because he was just horrible. And it's not even that that job was a, a crapshoot because Brian Dayball comes in and says, "No, nah, we can win. I got this." So I mean. I think it's kudos to the people that can work in that environment, but also that they're one dimensional and that they can't excel in an environment where they have to make the rules or a lot of those decisions are going to fall into them and they can only strive when Bill's telling them, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. Okay. Okay. No, I, I can, I can definitely, I can agree with that uh, because I think my thing is, I think the biggest issue is that these coaches that come from that tree try to replicate what Bill's doing there. You can't and, do it everywhere else. It don't work like that. Yeah, and I think they try to replicate the Patriot way in places that they shouldn't. And I think yeah. they should they should always they should always try to be themselves. And they try to implement that way. And it's not just it's just not like that everywhere. You know, what I'm they try to implement it, but they don't even know how to do it. Exactly. You can't put that anywhere else, dude. That's literally yeah. the only place that's going to work. Yeah. You have to carve out your own way. Because I'm yeah. telling you, there's not one other team that you you could name every other team in the league to me right now. And there's not one other team that I could be like, you know what? No, that that could work because that doesn't happen overnight. That takes years and years. And you got to think they built that culture. In a much different time than today, players are a lot different today. The way the NFL works is a lot different today. There's no way you're going to be able to implement that in today's day and age, and it works. It's just not. You have to be able to. You have to be independent, and you need to stand out on your own. And if you feel like you're not cut off for that job, you probably shouldn't have took that gig to start with. Yeah, 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 man. Um, look, I, like I said, I think there have been very good. Very good assistance that's come through uh, New England, man. But my favorite one is uh, definitely Romeo Cornell. That's my favorite one of all time. Of every assistant that he's ever had, it's definitely, in terms of NFL anyway, that's my favorite assistant, man. In terms of assistant all time, it's got to be Nick Saban, man. Uh, I think Nick Saban was the closest one to really having the Biggest success, like taking Bill Belichick's Patriot way and making it into somewhere else. When he when he, he has passed, replicated it to an extent, though, with the way he's pretty much cemented himself in Bama, it's pretty much the collegiate version. I mean, true, think about true, true. Just but not in the was, league. But he was close to replicating that in Miami. 
because um, he had the defense he wanted. Uh, Jason Taylor was kind of his uh, Willie McGinnis sticking Zach anywhere. Thomas. Zach Thomas was his Teddy Bruschi, right? Patrick Sertain. And then he had two good cornerbacks and Sam Madison and Patrick Sertain. I think they were still there. So he had two good mm-hmm. corners. And then um, he had the running back, too, uh, Ronnie Brown. He had him. Only thing he was missing was quarterback. And he yeah, that Dante Colpel. And he wanted Drew Brees so bad, but they wouldn't clear Yeah, but the freaking doctor failed him. If the doctor wouldn't have failed him and he wouldn't have went to Miami, we'd be having a much different conversation right now. Different conversation, man. Miami might actually be a perennial Super Bowl team. Or Bama would not be where they are right now. Like, <laughs> So, like, definitely. There was a rumor. There was a rumor about saving. I'm pretty sure me and you talked about it before. I don't know the legitimacy of it. But I've heard it from multiple sources that when Miami went sour and Saban left and he was looking for another opportunity, I heard, and I don't know the legitimacy of it. I want to do some more research before I just put it out there. But I heard that he went knocking back on LSU's door and was like, look, like, I want to come back. I want to run the show. You know, I can win. We will. I want this to work. I want to come back. And supposedly, LSU looked at him with a straight face and said, oh, no, we're good. We got less miles. Don't worry about that. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, it's hard It's hard for, for, for a team. You got to look at it from LSU standpoint that why would they, why would they hire you back and you left? at the time where you could have won more championships. And I do get that. Because but. quite frankly, the only reason that LSU won that championship in 07 was because of the, the cupboard that do. Nick Saban left. Nick mm-hmm. Saban left a really good list of players, man. And uh it allowed them to win, right? After that, what happened? They didn't really do much. I mean, you got 2011. Right. But um, that was probably the best team Les Miles ever had there. Mm, yes and no. But I just I do get from that perspective. But, man, I feel like you have to at least hit him out because, I mean, dude, everybody knew who Nick Saban was at that point. Like every maybe not to the same extent now, obviously, because he's one more. But I feel like you've got to at least have a sit down with your AD and be like, look, I know this is kind of a weird situation. But man, like we, I think we need to have this conversation because I'm not gonna say Les Miles is unproven. Obviously, he did good when when he was with West was it West Virginia? I think before he went to no, LSU, I, I forget State. what he was. Uh, Oklahoma State. I think it was Oklahoma State. Yeah, it was something along those lines. Yeah. But uh, I still think that's a con- and maybe maybe it is what happened. I don't know, but I just. I guess you're just looking at it from a future perspective. You're like, you idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> but I do understand from the perspective of, okay, he left. But I feel like if they would have opened the door back to that and they would have let him back, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he stays just like how he stays. Obviously, he's been in Alabama for 16 years, 17 years, whatever it's been. I forget what year it was, but. I feel like if you open that door and you let him back in, that's exactly what happens. 
True, true. Like I said, man, if that rumor, if there's some validity to that rumor, man, they dropped the ball most definitely. But the biggest <laughs> thing, we'll close out on this one. The biggest thing I think that messed me up was uh, Rich Rodriguez not taking the Bama. Dude, that was wild. That's this dude, like. You gave him the Michigan job when Michigan needed a very established coach to reestablish the culture and reestablish winning. And you bring in Rich Rodriguez of anybody. Oh, man. Because there were rumors of, I forget who else was in talks to get that job. It was some somebody else better. I just don't remember exactly who. But... He flopped big time. Big time, man. And that's crazy because of the success that he had at West Virginia. That's what's crazy. He should have went somewhere where he could get the same athletes that he could get. He should have went somewhere down south because he could have ran that offense in the SEC because they wasn't ready for it. Nobody was Mm -hmm. ready for that. He could have because Alabama is going to recruit good players regardless of who's there. Right. You've seen it happen, man. Anybody, Bear Bryant left and Bama was still kind of relevant. They weren't down here. They were still relevant. So imagine if you change the game and bring in your offense to Bama, what would happen? It would have been crazy, man. I don't even think, think I think uh, he goes there. If he goes to Bama, I think they get Tebow. Either that or like I want to say with Tennessee, that's around the time that they got rid of Philip Fulmer. I think somewhere around that time. And if that's in the same time period, imagine if he goes there and opens that offense up right there. Right. We might be having a much different conversation. Right. So he he really just – he messed up his own coaching career by taking – Yeah, he didn't do anything. I don't remember hearing his name since. I don't know. He fell off the face of the earth. I haven't heard his name since. Yeah, so – yeah, man. But like I said, he messed. He definitely messed up his career there. But hey, I'm not complaining, and neither should you. You shouldn't complain either. Y'all, y'all good. Y'all got two championships since Nick Saban got his, so y'all shouldn't even be complaining. And LSU, uh, Louisiana is the hotbed for uh, high school talent now. Uh, I believe they've they've definitely entered that top five in terms of states that you need to go to to get talent. Yeah, I think they've been up there. I think – I'm not going to say Texas is overrated, but let me tell you something, bro. The talent in Louisiana is unreal. Even going down to two or three-star guys, two or three-star guys can be just as good as some of those four-star guys too. Yeah, and we've seen a bunch of four- and five-star guys just flop, man, and walk on dudes just ball. But like Dude, I said – like I said, man, uh, we like I said, we talk about sports all day, but uh, we're gonna close out uh, episode 13 of um, of the football frame of mind podcast, man. But uh, but like I said, we'll get into a lot more college later on in the year, but we can talk about that all day, every day. So many storylines, but uh, we appreciate everybody uh, that's gonna watch this. Uh, we we love your feedback to let us know how our list went, what we missed, and our breakdowns. Just different perspectives. We love the engagement. But uh, before we get out of here, anything you gotta say, bro? Uh, we just want to thank you guys for the support. 
we would really love you guys to be a little bit more interactive. But I understand sometimes people are on the go. They're just trying to get through the day. They want to listen to people. Hey, and that's completely fine. We agree. We are. Uh, we're thankful for all the support, all the subscribers, all things like that. All I can say is like, comment, subscribe. We have one division left. We have the AFC North, which I think is the best division in football. I'm pretty sure he would probably agree with me. Uh, tons of great players, great storylines, great coaches. And uh, we'll get through the AFC North, and then we'll probably start talking about who we think has a real chance at taking the Super Bowl home this year. But uh, you guys just be patient. Watch the videos. I guarantee you'll like it. All right, feeling said about myself, man. All right, uh, I'm Cam. This is Brandon. We'll see you guys next time.